Welcome to the One Drink with John podcast. Today is episode 32 with real estate mega agent Andrew Gadosh. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for coming out. Yeah, good Appreciate stuff. It. So your signature drink is the double bubble. And so we had to have that on the One Drink with John podcast, but it's a little messy. And so we had it before we started. <laughs> But uh, a double. So what's in a double bubble? And yeah, so maybe, maybe the store we'll behind it or whatever. Here as we go. But, I think um, so. I think so. Yeah. So the uh, the double bubble has been somewhat of a, a cult following here at uh, Lake Lockingren, where we're located currently at the moment. And um, so the history behind it is Mike Hauser. Okay. Sure. Yeah, Doogie yeah. Hauser. Doogie. From, yeah. Uh, from the lake. Of course. So um, so as you know, I've been here twenty plus years, and uh, back in the day. Uh, there wasn't as much of a network of people that were around. It was it was somewhat scattered, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't much of a community. And uh, Mike and I had met the first day that I arrived at Lake Lockingren. I was like 22 years old. I literally this this is a good story. So we <laughs> I literally spent all my money I had. Uh, I was just graduated from college, literally six weeks out of college. And um, fortunately, I had a scholarship and I had some money and I ended up not having to pay for school. So I had money put aside for a school that I used for a rental property. Well, in doing so, I was able to make a little bit more money than I normally would have as a young guy at that age. And I was able to buy a lake house. But I went to my parents and I said, hey, mom and dad, have you ever thought about a lake house? And they said, why the hell do we want a lake house? We would, you know, we, why, why would we want to have a I lake house? My, if you know my dad like you do. Sure. The point there is that um, fortunately, uh, the constraints that he put on it, and he said, hey, listen, if we can find a lake house that's a double family lake home that had all these crazy parameters, uh, your mom and I may be interested in going hazies with you because I couldn't do it on my own at the time. Right. Long story short, that house came up that weekend at an open house. We ended up buying it, but I had spent everything I'd ever had, right? <laughs> so here I am, Lake Lockengren. It's like 10 o'clock at night. My buddies had just all left that helped me move in. And uh, all I had was this pontoon that was on its last leg that the guy that we bought the house from <laughs> left it for us. I mean, it literally it took me like an hour to get it started. And I was hell-bent on going I out, love on, it. out on the lake. You're like, I'm going out on the lake. Yeah. I don't care what happens. Let's yeah. do this. I might never I come just, back. Right, right. You know? It might sink. I have to swim back. Yes. And I knew nobody in the community. I and mean, it was somewhat right. of a scary situation, but I was going sure. out there. So anyway, I go out. And the first... Well, I come out of the no-wake zone, which is probably 10 houses from my home. Right. And uh, on the side of the hill... I got, there's four guys and they're standing around a campfire and they're singing the Brady Bunch song. <laughs> I kid you not. And oh my gosh. Instantly that's hilarious. I start oh my questioning. Gosh, that's great. I'm questioning like, where in the hell am You're I? You're like, what am I yeah. doing here? What did I, where did I buy this home? And uh, they were all, they, that was Mike Hauser and his, yeah. three, and his three brothers and they were, and we waved, and I said, "Wow, I'm not stopping there." You know, here's a story right, of like, a man named Brady. You know, they, <laughs> so I go on, and um, ended up meeting some really cool people out on the lake, and we hung out for uh, two or three hours, and I'm on my way back home, and it's literally about one o'clock at night, and here I come by, <laughs> and they're still out there at the fire, and by now they're they've had they were probably overserved a little. They're bit. having a good they're, time. They're, they're louder, and right, and I'm like, hey man, I need to go meet these people. So as you know. I'm, fairly social so I just pulled up and uh and from that moment on Mike and I have been friends and um he was my first friend at the lake and still a very good friend and he 
is a commercial packager of um, cardboard boxes and products. Okay. So he had the account, or he won the account for Jack Daniels for the double bubble that it was a promotion that they were promoting for one of their anniversary years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And it came in, and matter of <laughs> fact, I just found one on eBay lately. It came with a, uh, a pint, a double bubble bottle, and two Jack Daniel double bubble glasses. Oh, nice. And they were in a, like a faux felt uh, plastic <laughs> box, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he brings the that's prototype. Awesome. That So that, you know, after that summer, he brings a prototype over before they made the packaging, and he said, hey, listen, you know, I got this great drink. I think you'll love it. And um, we had a tiki bar on our dock. Right. It was, you know, the tiki fancy. bar, yeah. The bar used to be located out on the dock. And uh, yeah. from that moment on, uh, the people that were with us that night, everybody loved the double bubble. Now it's become the drink of the lake. It is. Yeah, and it's it's at the tiki bar. That's what you do if you're at the tiki bar, which you've changed and updated. It's yeah. pretty nice. Right. It's pretty nice. Yeah. But yeah, it's that's the drink. You have the double bubble. So so when people come up the first time they're at Lock and Grand, of course, if they like to have cocktails, we got to give them their virgin double bubble. And, uh, <laughs> and now it's taken a life of its own, as you know. I mean, people have yeah. crazy concoctions that they're using. And in the theme song for the lake, it talks about double bubbles. And it does. Yeah. It yeah. does, which is hilarious. And then even like... Um, uh, Holly and and they have the, their double bubble what their golf cart they call yeah. the double bubble mobile or <laughs> yeah, whatever, what's it called it's something like that but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is hilarious so that's oh funny. they've come up with so many good recipes and I mean, they've just taken it to the next level yeah yeah cool. well you and Doogie just coming up with double bubbles I love it yeah. that's fun yeah. that's cool well no it's a great drink too so we've uh, enjoyed many of those Absolutely. at the tiki bar especially yeah. at the nine holes and stuff so. Well, you are, um, besides being the tallest person that's been on my podcast so far, by the way. So you're, what are you, 6'7"? Six, 6'7", seven? Six, seven, yes. 6'7", six, okay. So I'm 6'4", that's not bad. So yeah, like, right. Especially, let's see, Lori Foster was a little, she was talking about short shows, so a little <laughs> different. But but yeah, so I wanted to kind of start with, um, you, you've played basketball, and you did that in college. I kind of, yeah. just give me an idea. I mean, obviously you played in high school, and you were in Richmond, or yeah. where did you go to school? Yeah, so our team was uh, back in the heyday of, of Indiana basketball. We were um, out of Richmond, Indiana, which was the, you know, one of the larger cities in Indiana, and part of the NCC conference, which had Marion, Newcastle, most of the top. Matter of fact, my sophomore and um, freshman and sophomore years, we were ranked number one and number two most of the year throughout the entire country. Oh, wow. Next to our biggest rival, Muncie Central, who was one or two. And yeah, so it was a, you know, our stadium would seat 8,500 people. Oh, wow. That's, we, that's, that's pretty big for high school. That's huge. Yeah, it's, it's legit. It's big. Mean, yeah, it's a big deal. Well, Indiana basketball is a huge deal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of lost a little bit of its luster since they went away from class basketball. But Damon Bailey was in my uh, was in my class, and many people know him from the season on the brink with Bobby Knight, the book. So there was a lot of uh, really big, uh, I guess, publicity that was surrounded or interest around Indiana basketball at the time, and then it played there. And we um, had a really good, great career in in high school, and went on to play. Actually, committed to IU. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, was uh, planning on going there. And and Bob Knight actually is a we really, my parents love Bob Knight to this mm-hmm. day. Sure, his son Patrick or Pat Knight was the same position as me, and uh, also they just recruited Calvert Cheney. And if you remember, Calvert Cheney was you know obviously an all-time All-American, 
So uh, Bobby sat me down and said, hey, listen, we still want you to come, but you're not going to play till your junior year. Yeah, but you're not going to play for a couple <laughs> years. Yeah, exactly. So I ended up uh, then committing to Northwestern, and the coach got fired two months before I was to show up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that wasn't the greatest, even though I love Northwestern. Then ended up um, going to the University of Dayton. Right. They had just finished up on a final, like the 32, they made it to almost a Sweet 16. Oh, wow. And uh, Dayton, you know, growing up in Richmond, we caught Channel 7 so we could watch the Flyers and ended up being a great move. Loved it. University of Dayton uh, yeah, basketball great. program is yeah, yeah. incredible. It is, yeah. Yep. So played there four years and, and now here I am. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So. So what was it that um, that brought you into real estate? Uh, you know, what what got you started in that? Did you did you did your dad like own rentals and stuff, or yeah. how, what was it? What kind of got you going? Well, there was a couple things, and it, my dad did own rentals when we were growing up, and I think he he said it many times that he had our us children, so he had people to work on his rentals. Right, but he wasn't like a huge. <laughs> he had land. the staff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a land baron. I think he had four or five rentals, and right. Um, so we certainly understood the concept. Yet at the time we were so young, we weren't seeing the benefits because he was uh, probably barely breaking even on them. Right, right. Uh, the real the turn for me was like I said earlier. I had money saved from school. I had a lawn and landscaping company when I was in school, and nice. We did uh, we did probably 15, 20 lawns in our neighborhood. When I say we, it was me, and I had a bunch of guys in the neighborhood working with me. Nice. And uh, so I was fortunate to save enough money for school. And then when I was you know had the scholarship, I was able to spend the majority of that money on a on a rental property. And then uh, you know several of my friends, even I was still in student housing at UD, they were living in the house. But it, you know it wasn't anything fancy. It was, but it got the start of the understanding that I really wanted to pursue uh, real estate as a investment. And it wasn't until I really hurt my ankle pretty good. I tore a ligament in my ankle my sophomore year, I think in college and Coach O'Brien said, hey, listen, you know, you need to get off this. You need to go home. You can't stay on campus. So I went home, went back to Richmond with my mom, was interested in getting a real estate license and she mm -hmm. said hey if you come with me i'll pay for your school you just got to help me pass the test oh wow yeah so that's actually <laughs> that's what happened oh really i didn't uh, know that and even though my dad works with me now right at the time mom and i got our indiana real estate license together so of wow course, okay yeah i took her up on that we went to indianapolis and i hung out with my friends and that lived around there for two weeks and we got our license and but the interesting part to answer your question i guess a long way is in that class, I noticed that many of the people that were getting into the business were much older. Uh, they were second, third careers, uh, many corporate guys, really sharp, polished, you know, individuals and gals mm -hmm. too. And and the conversations I was having them at break, with them at break and everything really led me to think, hey, listen, if I'm going to do this, many of them said, I wish I would have started earlier. Hmm. So my thought was, hey, I'm going to start out of the shoot. Yeah, start now. Yeah. I can't start any earlier. Yeah. yeah, I have no responsibility. I don't have a lot of uh, debt at the time. I was living at home. I mean, literally, I just came. I was in college, right? Right. So, uh, that's how it all started. I got my Indiana license, and then went and got my Ohio license back in school and at UD. Mm -hmm. And then um, the minute school was out, I got into. I affiliated with a local broker back in Richmond again, trying to make the path of least resistance. And then about six months into it, uh, my mother and I purchased a Remax franchise. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, and after that, it was baptism by fire. I mean, we were... Sure. I was just young enough not to really know that I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> right, which is a good thing oh, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, you just kind of like, oh, we'll just figure it out. And you're like, yeah, are you sure? You're kind of in over your head. You're like, yeah. I don't even understand that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, we, it was kind of like drinking, you know, from a fire hose. But, sure. you know, it taught me a lot at a young age. In fact, as being the youngest broker owner in that network, which was a, was the largest, one of the largest in the company, I did get some perks, and by that, meaning that I started so young, I, I made so many mistakes early on that I failed quickly and was able to adapt, yes. and, and that's kind of how it kind of launched us into Yeah, that. and I think that's, and I've talked to Jess, and I've talked about that, and multiple people have talked about other business owners, but it's it's all about that. I mean, you're going to fail if you start a business or do anything, really. You're going to fail. It's just how, what you learn from that, and then I like your, that's, you failed quick enough that you've you've got that out of the way, and like you yes. said, you're young enough had enough energy to just keep it going. So, Yeah, I was talking to my daughter, Danny, and uh, she was one. I have twins that are 14, and she was always apprehensive about trying new things and it's because she didn't want to fail. Even And I think that she set a right. standard so high for her, like she's straight A's, and, you know, she's a good kid. It wasn't like she failed a lot, but <clears throat> she had the attitude of, oh, what if I fail? And I look back on that fear of uh, loss is a greater motivator than a fear of gain. And that's true in any kind of sales position. Like when, if I'm telling you, hey, listen, you know, you probably should check out this house because you're going to lose it uh, because somebody else is going to buy it. You right. may say, oh, man, I might jump on it rather than me saying, hey, you should really check out this house because it's a great opportunity. You might make some money on it. Well, right. most people are going to be motivated more by fear. And I was just like anybody else, fortunately. Sure. And it wasn't a failure. I mean, we hell, we were number one in town. And it just I made a lot of mistakes to learn from. We adapted right. quickly. We sold the company and did well on it, and then we moved on to the next deal. Yeah. No, that's really cool. That's cool. So that was. So you've been doing this how many years then? It's so this has been almost 20, 20 I would say, 24 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Yep. Almost to 25. Next yeah, year. we're that's getting cool. there. That's cool. So what about, um, so Jess and I, um, you, you've we've talked about this before, but also in another podcast, we talked about we own some real, real estate. We had a real estate investment company. And after the crash of, of 08, you know, we were upside down on a bunch of stuff. We ended up having to file bankruptcy for that company, um, which was, which was you know, kind of trial by fire, lots of learning. Um, as painful as it was at the time, I definitely wouldn't go back and change a thing because I would not be where I am today Absolutely. from that. So how did your real estate company go? Like what, because um, I know, I remember talking to an agent, um, a broker, pretty good sized broker, but... Um, after 08 and he was saying that right in that time because it was like seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. was kind of the, the real um, financial crisis but he was saying that it was like before the crash man people were just you were selling so much and then it was like he went down to like 25% of what you know what he had sold the year before yes. and how did you guys because I'm sure it hit you as well so yeah it did I mean we were at the time uh, our group was a little bit smaller, and we were selling about a hundred. And this, my team, because what what had happened sure. was that at that point, I had sold the Remax franchise. Another company purchased us, and I had a non compete. I had to I had to work with them, mm-hmm. but I retained the ownership of my team. So I started growing my team, and our team was at about a hundred homes a year at the time. Oh, okay, that's not bad. So what happened though was uh, instead of us working, you know, fifty, sixty hours a week to sell a hundred homes. We were working literally, and I'm not kidding here, 80 to 90 hours a week to sell 80 to 85 houses. Oh, wow. So we didn't 
we didn't um, we didn't lose our shorts because we were fortunate not to be overextended, which was a lesson that I think I got lucky with. Whereas mm-hmm. that just kind of happened in one respect from the real estate company standpoint, but we had to adjust our lifestyle a little bit for the growth and the savings and all that kind of thing. So we were fortunate in that we were still, let's put it this way. There's currently right now in Dayton, Ohio, there were almost 4,000 transactions or 4,800 transactions last year. Mm -hmm. And there are over, you know, almost 3,000 agents. Right. So what had happened is people still got divorced. People still had babies. People still passed away. So even in a down market, you're still going to have homes that are selling. They just take right. longer to sell instead of two months or three months. They're taking eight, nine months. Right. So the, the houses are selling. It's just not the same, you know, at the same rate. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and the opportunity is there. If you're going to work harder than your next guy, the, there's plenty of opportunity out there. You just need to, you're just not, it's not going to be as easy. And I right. think that's where we fell into that. We kicked it up. We had the capacity. We didn't have children yet. And I was able to, um, or we're just having, to the point where having kids, I, I was able to really just be obsessed with real estate to get through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, and if Dawn listens to this, she'll probably be, because uh, I never really told her a story. This is a good <laughs> one. I remember sitting, because at the time I was buying rental properties too. And I had probably maybe 15 properties. And most of them were still, you know, I had put many of them on 15 year notes. Because right. I wanted to pay them off quickly. I wasn't looking right. for cash flows. Which was great. Just yeah. getting paid down. However, when a recession hits, people move out of homes and they move back with their parents. They consolidate. So I'm sitting here and I had seven mortgages besides my current, my own home mortgage that I had written for on the eighth month. I'm looking at my checkbook and my savings and everything's just being depleted because oh I'm writing these mortgages. No one's in the rentals. Oh man. They're just costing money. And I'm sitting at my kitchen table going, man, I, I, I'm not going to be able to last more than two or three months at this at this rate. Right. Then I'm going to have to short sell or do whatever we need right. to do. Right, absolutely. But uh, fortunately, you know, the market started to turn a little bit. We, we had right-sized a little bit in our expenses and we were able to kind of get through. But um, that was a tough lesson to learn there. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. I mean, it was interesting. We just watched uh, The Big Short, the movie, which you, you've probably yeah, seen right. again. And it's just kind of interesting to see what happened in, you know, of course, in our, you know, what happened to Jess and I was just such a, you know, a a piece of sand on the beach to what happened across the country. It's just crazy. But yeah, that's interesting. But no, I think you're right. No matter what, you know, people are going to buy and sell houses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, the banks kind of clamped down and it was really hard to get mortgages, but they were still, banks still make money when they lend money. So they still had to make mortgages. Sure. This made it more difficult. So... But no, that's cool. And I'm sure, I mean, I know we learned a ton through that and I'm sure you guys did too. I mean, that was probably what a lot of your success is based on now of what, you know, going through something difficult like that. I think when things are awesome, you know, and easy and it's just people are coming to you and selling houses Mm -hmm. is a piece of cake. I think you just don't learn as much because you don't have to. You're absolutely right. You can be an order taker. You're not. uh, And plus the barrier of entry is really low. So you have every buddy and their uncle that is in real estate right now. Correct. Correct. And there will be a purge when the market corrects. Sure. You know, we got real creative on land contracts and lease options. And, you know, that matter of fact, I just wrote one this weekend and, and a property in, in New Paris that's a, a really a tough sale. Another agent uh, hasn't listed. And, you know, fortunately, because of those rough times, you know, we're skilled enough to now know how to do right. that stuff. Yeah. Some of that creative financing mm-hmm. and different things. Yeah. So you're able to do things like that to really help, you know, focus on what the, the buyers and the sellers need. And yeah, that's pretty awesome. 
So we, you kind of touched a little bit on, um, so how big is, I want to kind of talk to you about uh, running your business and running your team. Uh, I know you, you, you uh, treat your team very well and you're always looking for yes. the top people. So what, what, uh, how many people do you have on your team currently? And then yeah. you know, what do you do to, so to motivate them? Sure, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, real estate, the real estate industry has changed so much and it's at lightning speed right now with the change with, uh, you know, we can get into this in a little bit if you want to, but oh, the sure. difference between Whatever. kind of a traditional agent and a, um, a tra- traditional franchise model or a uh, platform model. Right. But um, I guess... Because you guys had, sh- I mean, you can go into it right now if you want, but yeah, you okay. guys had shifted because you were um, what, Better we were, Homes and we Gardens. Better Homes and Gardens, Before, yes. and then a few years ago, you guys shifted to, and you can just kind of tell me to Yeah, no, exactly. So out. what had happened is, um, you know, Better Homes and Gardens purchased our Remax franchise. We had a non-compete. They're great people. Love mm-hmm. those guys. Absolutely. Bad, but what had happened was currently Zillow, Amazon, um, you know, you've got uh, Google Real Estate even. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the ch- it's changed. And think about it like this. A good analogy is what um, Uber has done to the cab industry is exactly what's happening in the real estate industry. So you had Uber that came in and basically it's a technology platform that literally connected a person that wants to drive their car to a person that needs a ride. Exactly. Well, a real estate franchise is a model that you sell to somebody or lease or license essentially so they can have all your systems your name your brand and all that so it's well, even of, like the mls was huge and now it's you know like zillow and stuff it's just the i guess the value not to jump in but like the value of that wasn't right. you know that was like to get access to the mls which is the multi-listing right. service in any area would be a difficult thing. You'd have to go through a realtor to get that access. Absolutely. And then with Zillow and things, I guess that just kind of turned it upside yeah, down. Yeah, it's exactly right. It, it, it made us sense. from operating as a gatekeeper of the information to now, I mean, people are calling us saying, hey, I found the house. So our, our goal, our, mm. our, we don't want to. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. it used to be like, it'd either be for sale by owner, it's on the MLS, and you could you could find that for them. But now it's like people are... Exactly. Just Google whatever they find. Yeah, find whatever they want on Zillow. Yeah. I mean, I think part That's of our job yeah. description was how do you find somebody a home? You think, hey, I go to a realtor and find a house. And that's mm-hmm. really not, that is part of what we do. But the majority of what we do now is much like an attorney or a doctor would be to a patient or a client. We give advice. We advise. We negotiate. We market on the buy, on the listing side. Mm-hmm. But what had happened there was the shift and we're getting ahead of it. And thank goodness we are because the real estate, like I said, has changed so quick. Absolutely. What's happened was there, in order for us to compete with the technology companies like Amazon, Zillow, and real, and they're not real estate companies, they're technology companies. Right. So they have the platforms they built to connect a buyer and a seller together, just like Uber, you know, from the, from the cars. But where's that lead the agent? They still need the agent because they're getting poor service if they're just going through there and, and getting right. somebody that. Yeah, you that, can't. Yeah, you're exactly. You yeah. can't take the person out of it. The personality, yeah. and that's the that's what makes right. the, the deals happen. It's so interesting. Think, yeah. So this new yeah. company, EXP, which is pretty amazing, they basically have said, okay, look, we're creating a platform real estate company, but it's going to be owned by the agents and operated by the agents. So really, it's the best of both worlds. Well, that so is awesome. The, yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah, great. That's kind of the so. Yeah, I mean, not to go into the details, but I'm I'm sure it worked out better for you. Um, you know, as far as you have access to this, and that's oh, probably yeah, and then you own it too. And well, what it's done is that it has allowed us to scale beyond our local market. 
Mm, so okay. when I say I've got 13 agents that are on my team, that's my Andrew Gaydash and Associates real estate team. But I have about 100 agents that are in my family of or my group that have grown across the country uh-huh. because the technology that has allowed us and the platform that's allowed me to do business, I had a lot of my own systems in-house because I was a, an agent with a team. There's right. a ton of other teams across the country that I know that also didn't need a brokerage franchise to duplicate systems. So we are able to now, and I'm calling them on the phone saying, hey, you should check out this new this new product here, or this new model. Mm-hmm. And many of them have joined. So now we are almost connected through um, a, almost. it's interesting, we are, we are financially uh, connected together. I have a financial interest in helping my friends that are in Texas that have a real estate team that are with EXP, that are in my EXP family, just like I would helping somebody on my own team locally here. Oh, that's um, cool. We're, we're in alignment, and that's yeah. the key. Because, as a matter of fact, I had a conference call with a gal in Houston today, right before I came here, and she needed some information on our neighborhood mayor's program. And I, you know, I spent you know forty five minutes, very happy to spend time with her. Sure. I could never do that under a franchise model because it was more kind of localized. Right, and that wouldn't be yeah. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't benefit her. It wouldn't benefit you. No. It just didn't. It wasn't. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's it was kind of isolated. Where it was, yeah, because even like the MLS, like in Dayton, it was like this was MLS just for this area, and then there's another one, you know, and then you'd have to get somebody else that could get you onto the MLS somewhere else. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I wondered. I've actually been. Um, that's, I'm glad you told me that because I wanted to. Since you made the change a few years ago, I've been wanting to ask you about mm-hmm. that because I always love to talk about business and stuff. Right. That's really cool. But yeah, so back to so what what are the things that you do um, to motivate you know your local team. You know, sure. you say you've got twelve people here, and then you've got then the hundred people. So, what are what are things you yeah. work on? So, we, as you know, we like to have a good time. Yes, we're, you know, yes. We're very social. And, well, you're, um, well, you're you're the mayor of fun. That's what, you're, that's <laughs> that's what your wife calls you. That's so. right. There you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we, you know, we do a lot of cool stuff, events. You know, we go snowboarding together. We we, you know, have time at the lake, and we do on a recreational standpoint. I think for for the culture, our team has a really strong culture, and we really love each other. We care for each other, and really are willing to you know, kind of go to bat for each other. So number one, that's the that's the overall sense of the team, which is the most important thing to me, is that we're working with people that we know, like, and trust. Absolutely, and yeah, on the sure. motivation level, we just, you know, just to inspire, to be a better agent than what I was the day before to learn. I, we were talking about podcasts and how much I love spending time. I mean, you give me any time with a windshield, I'll listen to a podcast, especially I love driving home because I'll drive from the lake home late at night. A lot because I work late and I can't call anybody at ten o'clock at night. Right, I pop in a podcast <laughs> and I'll be jazzed up and have great content for morning meetings when we're going to meet with the team. So I think if I can stay ahead of the curve, continue to, to to kind of the leadership role of driving in the right direction. That was why this whole EXP thing was important to me because I wanted to get ahead of it before it actually hurt. <clears throat> Excuse sure, me, industry, sure. um, and that is going to position us very well to capitalize on where we're heading. So you, you don't want to react after it happens. You right. want to get ahead of it. And that's, yeah. I think, what we bring to the table that the team loves. That's great. No, that's totally awesome. Yeah, that's... And motivating people, that's that's a, an important... I mean, first of all, you've got to find the right people as well. But I think um, you also attract that because of your success and things as well. Right. So, which helps. But So what is... Um, so what's like the favorite... What's your favorite part of your job? What do you do? 
Like what's you know because there's so many aspects. Yeah. You, know, you get the closing, you get the sure. you, some people like the you know the paperwork and all that stuff. I don't. But. Yeah. So I'm. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's what's interesting to me. And the older you get, the more you kind of understand what makes you tick. Uh, now there's now there's disc profiles and things that we can give right, people when they right. come in the door. Yeah, that was know. what, yeah, Sue had that on the other podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It so was we great. use that. I mean, we get new Absolutely. people join our team. We really figure out what they're, how they score in different levels and how, if they're going to work with what we need. And uh, But really what motivates me is I get energy out of other people. So I, you know, to be around people energizes me. I really love that. But the competitiveness of this business mirrors athletics so much uh-huh. because that's what I've, I've known that that's the only thing I've ever known, you know, getting, starting out at a very young age, we were on a highly competitive AAU team with, you know, the guys, Damon Bailey and all these guys that are out there. And, you know, it, you get, you get your, you get your butt whooped sometimes and you sure. get up and do it again the next day. And there's the sure. highs and the lows and the competitiveness of it. So I think real estate is so in alignment with that, that that really works well with my personality and what does motivate me to get out of bed in the morning and do a better job. Sure. Yeah, and the team aspect, obviously, the that's, team. that's a huge. Yeah, it's a huge part of that. So, yes. no, that totally makes sense with mm-hmm. with you being, you know, with basketball and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good answer. I yeah. like it. Well, hey, <laughs> Another question I wanted to ask is, um, so you do um, a couple of fireworks shows out here. So, what? How did you come up with the idea to do that? Um, you know, you kind of well, we've got the Fourth of July fireworks, and right. you do the Labor Day and stuff. And what were the because that's you've been doing that for what the one of them for fifteen years or something. Uh, it's been a while. Twentieth year. Oh, twentieth. Yeah. Okay, wow. We um, it's crazy. The gal that I was on the phone with from, <clears throat> from Houston this morning, we were going through our neighborhood mayors program. Believe it or not, we've got this right. little uh, program that we help other train other agents across the country. It's a little product that we put together, and all this is documenting what we do at the communities that we represent, and how it all started was. It's funny that same night, this I tell the story often, <laughs> the same night that I was out on the boat that barely made it home that I met Doogie Hauser. <laughs> right, I, drinking um, double bubbles. We were drinking many <laughs> double bubbles, and I apparently invited the entire, um, what do you call a uh, flotilla of boats back to my place that next day for uh, a party. Well, the college parties are a little bit different than a, a party in a community, and of course I was in my 20s, and... So I'm like, hey, come over. We'll have a party at the house yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> well, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, wow, that, that was great. But uh, and these are people I just met that night right. on the lake. And there right. were literally 15 people that were tied up right. on boats. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, well, shoot, man. They probably need what food. I mean, I told them it's a party, right? I was thinking I'll buy the beer and everybody shows up. And yeah, like in college, like, hey, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, But the point there is that, and this has really kind of guided us all the way through, is that we have a philosophy on our team is that we don't have to do it perfect. We just want you to do it. And then we'll iterate and iterate until it gets perfect. Now right. it's not that we don't want to be perfect, but we're not going to be paralyzed by not trying. Right. And You'd rather do something even if it's a little off yeah. and then correct it. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people don't expect perfection. I mean, how many times sure. have you been to a party that is absolutely too perfect and you're like, God, that wasn't that comfortable. Right. Yeah. And then you're like afraid to, to, right. to knock something over. Yeah. 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 So that, what happened that night was uh, about 30 people showed up the next day at my house and I, <laughs> about an hour or two before I was like scrambling, Oh man, I should go buy some hot dogs or cheeseburgers. <laughs> I got the beer. But these people <laughs> were um, really, really, I think it made an impact. It made a deposit on their life because there were several different folks that were probably not um, 
normally wouldn't hang out together. Mm-hmm. And here's this new guy coming in and inviting them and making them feel welcome. And that was a, that was a deposit in their life is what we call it. Now, not right. retrospect. I didn't do it because of that. Right. It was just... It just happened sure. that way. Yeah, it just kind of broke down the barriers, and then everybody yeah. kind of got together. So we're getting together. Yeah. We have this great party. I get to know all these people. And then it's like, naturally, because of my personality, I'm connecting people, and we're connecting. We're having a good time. And as as it happened is we started having uh, fireworks shirts that I would give out to everybody on the 4th of July weekend. And I knew a lot of people because we were having parties at the house, and you know, I got the first, somebody brought the first fireworks shirt in the other day and found it in their grandmother's, <laughs> literally in their grandmother's closet, brought oh it my in gosh. and I said, Hey, remember this. But the point there is that it just grew. And, yeah. and I tell our team, I said, you know, you don't have to start out building the Mercedes Benz, you know, start out building a go-kart. Right. And right. Just keep oh, improving on it. So every year we just did something different. We added a little bit of touch to it to the point where, you know, four or five years in, I'm like, we need to, we need to really step this game up on, on the, uh, the fireworks, what had happened was the east side against the west side. It was kind of a organic who could blow off the biggest fireworks in the <laughs> right. middle of the lake. Right. And we would all sit in the middle of the lake. Like, I don't know why we did this. I don't know why. Right. It, Super safe. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. The fire department loved this. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. Bad. But back in the day, here we are in Preble <laughs> County, Ohio, right? Sure. The sheriff was probably there on one of the sure. boats with his family. Right, right. And the fireman was Sure, too, sure. <laughs> eventually they said guys you can't do this anymore this is number one is breaking the law number two someone's going to get killed right right so everybody was really really bummed out that year that they weren't going to be able to do their big contest and i'm telling you john it was like pageantry you've never seen <laughs> big ed uh that lived in the house that the castle sits on now mm-hmm. uh, would come out with his big cigar and he would load up his uh lawn tractor he had a wagon and everybody would donate the fireworks and he had this music would play as he came out and he would drive it through the yard and everybody was having this picnic and they would set oh it up gosh. during the day. And then, yeah, it was awesome. It was great. But long story short, we ended up doing the first fireworks show commercially that year to supplement where they wouldn't let the public do their own. Sure. And we did it at the dam and it was, it's been ever since we've been doing it. That's cool. Yeah, we've enjoyed We've been here. Uh, just three and a half years, but we've we've really enjoyed it. So yeah. we missed one of them the one year for a wedding, which was okay. But we were like, right. I really wanted to, wanted to check out the fireworks. Sure. It's been a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun things that you guys, that you put on here. Um, I mean, with a nine hole and just different yeah. parties and things. And even, you guys sponsor Blues Fest yes. as well. Yes. Which yeah. is awesome. That's coming up here right. in a couple yeah. weeks. So a couple weeks. Yeah, we appreciate it. Also, I did want to thank you Um you had sponsored the um, the farmers market, oh. which we had this year. Yeah, that was that, great. Yeah, and so we had really good feedback from that. Um, you guys did an awesome job. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. we really enjoyed that. Um, the neighborhood really, really got behind that, mm-hmm. and it was nice uh, with your sponsorship. We we're able to get nicer signs and just sure. do a little better job. Yeah, which is kind of on your brand too. I mean, like you know, even just from your sign, you know, like everything you do. I know you're all about branding, and I think you do a really good job with that. What is there anything you want to say about that? Because I, I just I know that you're a stickler for making things look nice and presentable. Right. Yeah, I, I am a firm believer that you know what is your product like? What product are we selling? Well, yeah, a home is a product, an end product, but our product is really our brand, our reputation, you know, our systems, because uh, that's what people buy. Yeah, there's right. a lot of you can buy a lot of products, but if you're selecting an agent, that's what they're selecting, a person they, they love, trust, and, and know. So we try to make that really good. You know, 
our thing is do it right or don't do it in terms of ethical and what's best for the community and all those kind of things. And as long as you can make every decision with the test of is it good for the community and then it's good for you, then let's do it. And right. that's kind of been where we kind of headed that direction yeah yeah because you guys have definitely sponsored quite a few things it's just we've really enjoyed it and it's you're a real you know real strong part of this community you know it's mm-hmm. it's been it's been fun and it's been Good. nice to get to know you so. oh yeah absolutely one thing i want to bring up too is um so we had a tv show yes. so how did that come about that was super fun yeah so, so the uh hgtv um interestingly enough uh, started out with a uh, another program that we did and you probably weren't even aware of this there was a casting call for a show called home first home okay that was a five-part series that was on true tv and it was more of like an ellen show or like a daily show oh they had five different parts and they were going to um, showcase a a realtor in the country somewhere that had uh you know basically follow them through the process so bobby v who is somebody that i've heard on your podcast yes bob von yes i went to bob who's super creative and i said bob i i think we've got an opportunity here i've got an opportunity to to send a a sizzle reel in and see if i can get selected for this uh reality show yeah he said okay great so we went together and put it together and sure enough we won the the opportunity so they nice. came in and they shot this five-part series, and it was with a gal out here that unfortunately had lost her husband. He was a serviceman and three little kids, and it was just this heart, heartwarming story of the journey from her from that situation to home ownership to, to everything. And it was one of their best-rated segments. So nice. it flew us out, flew me out to New York, and was live on the set and all that. It was, oh, fun! It was a great experience, That's super awesome. But HGTV picked it up, and they called right away. <clears throat> And said, hey, listen, they didn't pick up the program, but they, they saw it. And they called mm-hmm. and they said, hey, listen, we're starting this new show. It's called Lakefront Bargain Hunt. And we know you sell real estate at Norris Lake in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And we want you to be on the show. And I said, man, I said, I would love to do that. But Norris was not really where I sold. I mean, I sold down there. Right. I represented a developer in one little small section of the lake. Right. You sold a handful of stuff here yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we, it was very segmented. And quite frankly, it was it was four and a half hours away. Right. <laughs> and from the other production that I had done, I knew that this was not an easy thing. So the right. bottom line is... Yeah, said, you'd have to be there for weeks and yeah. weeks. And, yeah. So I pitched Lock and Grin, and they yeah. said, no, uh, it's too small of a lake. We, we don't want to do it there. And I said, okay, fine. Just call me if you guys ever want to do it down the road. And sure enough, it was like six seasons in, or five seasons in, they called me for the sixth season. Yeah. And they said, we're ready. Andrew, yeah, we're ready to do Lock and Grin. Let's do it. So, so it was awesome. We had a great time. They were here for about seven days. and um, Yeah. That was fun, and Grant and Krista did a good job, and that was how much awesome. fun is that? So, yeah. and you just—I mean—you couldn't have asked for better uh, folks to be on the show. With oh, you. of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that was super fun. That was because uh, that's been almost three years ago. It was pretty close to when we. Yes. Yeah, maybe three years ago. Yeah, from when it came out a couple years mm-hmm. ago. But yeah, that was super fun to watch. So yeah. and they want to do another episode too. They want to come back this year. Really? Yeah. Trying to pick the right person to. Well, they were hoping that we had somebody in the in the fall of last year. And I said, mm-hmm. give me some time. I don't have yeah. quite that right. Cause the way that format is you, they're pretty particular about how it needs to work and what right. happens there. So, yeah, no, that was cool. That was super fun. Yeah. That was what a fun thing to do. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure the promotion and stuff from that worked out pretty well for oh, yeah, your business was, and it stuff. Was awesome. Yeah. It um, really, number one, it put Lockinger on the map for a lot of people. It did. It really did. 
I had to chuckle. There was I'd get calls after that show, and it still airs. I mean, it's still on TV, so you still get the calls. Right, but, all the reruns. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a guy from New York calls and says, "Hey, do you have any um, rental or vacation homes? I can't find any vacation homes on the on VRBO or Airbnb." So we want to take a vacation, and we we think Lockingren's where we want to come. Right. <laughs> and I said, I had to chuckle a little bit. I said, well, first of all, there's probably some better vacation spots than Lake Lockingren. Right. And number two, they don't have short-term rentals out here. Right, but, uh, right, which is was, part of the charm, yeah. too. But no, that's it was, funny. It was a great show. We loved it. Yeah. No, that was super, super fun. So, Well, I'm getting thirsty for a uh, another double bubble. So yeah. we're going to ask you a couple, couple final questions here. But sure. one thing I wanted to ask um, was what... Um, you've had a great career uh, doing this, the real estate thing, but uh, what would be something you would do, you know, that you're looking forward to maybe doing at another time once this is done or, you know, or if you have a little more time, is there something else you'd like to, like to kind of focus on? Right. Yeah. In no, your it's, life. It's a good question. So, I mean, I know lot, you're in the middle of your career. It's not like you're at the end of it, you know, Yeah. but, uh, well, you I'm start sure thinking something. about those things sure. and, you know, with the, um, you know, with going from working, you know, 80, 90 hours a week is not the case anymore. I mean, I'm right. 50, 60 if it's really busy in the summer, which is fine. And I'm happy to do that. What, right. But what I recognize is that I've got to have, I've got to have something to look forward to. I've got to have the next either vacation or and when I, and when I say vacation, sometimes a three day getaway to put in bay or, um, I've got, I've been blessed with some wonderful friends and great people that I love. And as you know, many mutual friends that we have. Absolutely. And so what I want to be able to do in the future, in the short future, you know, meaning not retirement 100%, is to have the ability with the systems and the company running the way it should that I could at least get away, you know, every other weekend on a three or four day weekend and then come back and fly back in and do work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and start to really in the in the winter time, especially mm-hmm. be able to get away to some of those places because where I'd really like to be is, um, you asked me like kind of long-term where, mm-hmm. where we see, I, I love boats and, um, I've always wanted to, you know, the more time on the water, the happier I am. So we're looking Absolutely. at some opportunities with catamarans and leasing catamarans and spots that we just, uh, have a good friend of mine that has a charter business down in Key West and he uh, we oh, wow. went and stayed on his one of his fleet, one of the boats in his fleet. And it was just a different experience. So I think we're going to probably wow. get, instead of just thinking about real estate purchases and transactions on the water, inventory on the water, on, I'm sorry, on land. Right, right. Is actually building some income related to um, basically Airbnb and VRBOing boats. Oh, wow. Which isn't going to be like a long-term financial strategy. It's right. going to, it would, you could make some money doing it, but it would be something that I'd be in alignment with what I like to do. Right. You would enjoy it and you'd obviously get to use the boats and exactly. stuff yourself. So. Yeah. So I see us moving in that direction a little bit. Um, and I really just trying to build the, the company and the business so that we can help as many people as we can. Our, our team, I, I'm just really, really, that's one of the reasons with this EXP thing is it offers an opportunity for our team to grow wealth. And, um, you know, I always tell everybody it's it's not going to be a lot of fun if you're the only one on the lake with a boat, if your friends right. don't have their own boats. Right. So we want everybody to, the tide rises together. So Absolutely. as we're successful, we want everybody around us to be equally successful or to experience some sort of success that's important to them, whether it be financially or relationship or whatever. So that's kind of what we're looking forward is to really kind of taking a step back and, and Dawn and I are on the same page on this, my wife, is that you know, 
being in a position where you have the ability and no time constraints where you can actually go out and, and make deposits in other people's lives when it comes to that type of thing. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's kind of, so you're kind of working to coach up your team and so you can kind of step back a little bit and do something right. else. It's yeah. lined up with more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the water thing's awesome. I'm telling you what, I love boating. Like, we've yeah. had a boat. It's been, it's super fun. And you go down to Norris quite a bit. Absolutely, yes. So. Yeah, Norris Lake is um, awesome. I mean, it, for those people that are listening, I mean, it's incredible. That that lake is just a... Yeah, it's pretty awesome. People, it's a hidden secret, and more and more people are finding out about it. But, right. You know, but you got the, that's the cool thing about it. I mean, when I look at, if financially there was no constraints and uh, time was not a problem... I would have a place in in Putin Bay. Mm. Oh, Putin Bay know, is awesome. Yeah, I love Putin Bay. That I would lease out while I'm not there, and I would pop in there in the summer. Yeah. You know, maybe spend a week up there, a month. Yeah. I would spend time here at Lockingren, spend a little bit of time in Norris, and then in the winter time, uh, down near Key West or in the Keys somewhere is really where my I'd favor that area. It's a little Jimmy Buffett action down yeah, in the Keys exactly, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Kind of a history buff, so there's a ton of history down there. Oh, there is, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, and people are super nice, and the weather's always great. The weather is great, absolutely. That's totally cool. Well, Andrew, again, thanks so much for getting on the uh, podcast with me. What is uh, what's the best place for people to find you if they're looking for uh, places out here? Yeah, so at Lockyerin or in yeah. other areas, well, uh, what's the best things. place to find you? If you uh, and and the cool thing is. I've got a really good network of people all over the country. So if there's anybody that needs a place wherever, certainly call me and I can shoot you in the right direction. But you, know, you can reach me at andrewgaydosh.com, and that's G-A-Y-D-O-S-H, andrewgaydosh.com. If you're on Facebook, hit me up. And um, yeah, and, and then of course, if you're interested in Lockengren, it's lockengren.com. We try to keep it simple. Yeah, that's simple. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. Yeah, that's, a, exactly. that's a good one to snag. So, yeah. Well, awesome. I'll have... Um, Anything we talked about, I'll have uh, links to all your all your, okay. you know, your Facebook and all your website uh, on the show notes Great. at OneDrinkWithJohn.com. And Andrew, anything else closing closing words? It was no, been I, super fun. Yeah, so, man, and again, I just, I, I'm thirsty for another double bubble. So <laughs> hey, it is it is a Friday, right? It is. So, uh, it is. Yeah. No. I thank you. I am uh, very. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on and chat and. You know, obviously, think the world of you guys, and excited yeah. about what you're doing too. So that might be another podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or that. if you get your podcast going, I'll be yeah. on there. You can talk about that. All right. So maybe I'll have my movie script sold by then, and That's we'll have right. something to talk about. So. That's right. Well, Andrew, thanks again. I really appreciate everybody listening, and uh, cheers, everyone. <laughs>